The Stewart Collection started in 1981 um, thanks to the patron James Stewart de Silva. Uh, we commission sculpture for the campus and we invite artists to come to the campus to look around, to think about sites, to think about the campus as a whole, and to think about something that they might do to enhance the campus. Once we have a proposal and a ballpark budget, um, we take these to our, our very distinguished art advisory board, which is composed of uh, art professionals from around the country. Um, we gather them together whenever we have enough proposals, and they review the proposals for artistic merit. Um, then we take the proposals through a university review process, and obviously the chancellor has the last say. Uh, we have never been turned down by the chancellors, the three chancellors that have been here, so we feel that we are well supported um, by the university. Tim Hawkinson's Bear is the 16th project uh, for the campus at UCSD. We chose Tim because we had been watching his work for a while and found that he was one of the most inventive artists we'd seen in a long time. We had no idea what he would come up with, but we decided that uh, we invited him to, to come to the campus and walk around with us and uh, think about what he might do. Tim uses things that he finds right around him. Uh, he's used his own body, he's used uh, his fingernail clippings to make a very small bird with super glue. He has made things from chairs. He uses non-traditional materials, things he finds that inspire him. In our case, he was thinking about rocks. Arizona often to visit Patty's family and um, so seeing these enormous boulders that were weathered and rounded corners um, they started suggesting these kind of stuffed animal shapes to me and mm -hmm. I guess um, that's the way I get a number of my ideas just through visual um, information Gather, just looking around just and draw, getting stuck in traffic or mm -hmm. um, misreading um, a, a visual event and uh, kind of the misinterpretation becomes more of an, a more interesting kind of idea than the actual event um, mm -hmm. yeah. so when you looked around you, you, you were you thinking well I wonder where I could do this idea or were you thinking oh gosh I wonder what kinds of ideas might spring from just looking around with a completely open mind. I guess it was, I mean, everything I was coming up with was more or less on the monolithic kind of mm -hmm. side of things. And um, there are also, there are a number of other um, rock pieces in the collection. And I, I thought this idea really resonated nicely with, with that. And then um, the, when the engineering um, 
when the, they started building the, the Jacobs, what do you call it? The ja- well, that, that portion of the Jacobs School, which is, it's currently called the Academic Court, and it's Th- surrounded by court. three new buildings, only one of which was, well, even that building was barely coming out of the ground, I think, when we looked at that space. Right, but it, it seemed like that area would be uh, a, an ideal situation for this more kind of organic object uh-huh. to play off of the... To play off, off of, of these, the, these modern buildings. These very modern buildings. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a tremendously good idea to mm. me. I really liked it. Well, Before I needed to hear anything, that because I hadn't really... I hadn't talked about the idea to, to many people and I wasn't really sure, you know, mm-hmm. just how it would read. Because it sounds a little silly. And, yeah, it didn't sound silly um, to me. It sounded... But it had giant eye hooks in it at the time. And, and that was really yeah. what was holding the whole thing together. And I don't even know if you had your original model that you created, your sort of conceptual model at that time. Did no, you, I hadn't. You, just I made that just, about yeah, once we started getting serious about things, I went out and um, well, th- I think the first thing I did was just uh, gathered some small granite rocks from our backyard and stacked them up into a, a bear. Mm-hmm. And um, but in, in my first uh, vision of this, it, it was all it was still a, this floppy, this 200-ton floppy stone bear, floppy given that it was held together by these eye hooks. And um, I think then when we started researching and thinking seriously about it, you, you realized that it was going to have to be pinned together as well as... Um, yeah, the, the, the uh, idea of just holding these rocks together with, uh, with eyes might have been you know, structurally possible. In other words, you could dangle the, the arm rock, say, from the body rock mm-hmm. with a giant steel eye, but if it were to start shaking around... In an earthquake, it really wouldn't be possible. Yeah. It really wouldn't be a good idea to have these uh, sort of uh, arms uh, 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 rubbing and, and, and bouncing around. So, I and I remember the book that you sent that, that described your, your idea uh, and, uh, and this uh, uh, little potato man, yeah. sort of brown, uh, homely little thing that you yeah. had put together out of plaster, right? Um, and that was what we showed to the Stewart Collection Advisory Committee, and, and they were really supportive. And, and the consensus that came from them and all of us, I think, was that it should be as big as it could possibly be, that the bigger the better. Yeah, I think in the um, proposal, I, I, the first drawing showed it maybe a, a, like a 10 or 12 foot high right. there, and then... And there was the intermediate, the, the mama bear, which was maybe 18 feet, and then the last bear, which I wasn't, uh, I didn't really think was possible, was probably 20 or 30 feet, and there, it had a mountain climber. You had superimposed a, a mountain climber, sort of halfway right. up it, and and that was probably even a bigger bear than we ended up. I th- yeah, I think so. Ended up with. But that would have been. We ended up with a very big one. We ended up with one that was actually bigger than we thought. I think 18 feet was the. It was what we thought would be the height we were sort of aiming at, and which would have been great. But we ended up with 23 feet, 23 much better. Feet. Yeah, yeah. So after the presentation of the idea and getting the first green light on that, mm-hmm. um, we needed to find some rocks. Yes, we went to places where there are rocks that you know seemingly are strewn everywhere, and it should be easy to find just the right rock. And it turned out to be quite difficult. And there was a 
a young guy who was a graduate student at San Diego State, actually, and he, he spent uh, the better part of a year, I think, driving around on weekends looking for rocks, mm-hmm. and we sent you photographs of rocks, and you came down a couple of times and looked at some... And, of course, the big rock was the key, the right. big sort of 100-ton That, that determined the size of the, all the other rocks. It determined the size of all the other rocks, and it was determined by the realities of what we could kind of haul around. And, and we were looking for a rock that was above ground. We didn't want to have yes. to dig up a giant rock and have a big, ugly side on it. Exactly, or have some misshapen mm-hmm. thing. So yes. it had to be sort of sitting on top of the ground so you could really see the whole thing. It had to be somewhat in the shape of an oval mm-hmm. rock, um, and it had to be accessible. It had to be near a road, or it had to be in some way, you know, something you could pick up because the type of equipment that's required is enormous, and if you don't have it near a road, you have to build a road to it. So, to so you want to think responsibly when you yeah. move a 100-ton yeah. boulder. So, what so the found place we found really was ideal because it was a giant gravel producing sand and gravel operation and the and rocks had already been the land had already around. been scarred and mm-hmm. they had uh, some large rocks that were there that were actually too large for them or impractical for them to break up and, and turn into this gravel product and so we claimed one uh, or we you know we found a couple of them there were a couple and uh, yeah we kept going back to this one yeah squat very kind of turtle shaped rock yes kind of flat, mm-hmm. which was ideal in a way, because had it been rounded, it, it would have been, you know, 200 tons. It would have been much heavier. This yeah. presents a nice full bear, and then it's a little lighter weight, easier to work with. And Yeah, from the side, it's kind of pancaked, and, mm-hmm. and, but from the front, it's this huge round thing. And then you, we came, we got together there and sort of went walking around this place looking for other rocks, arm rocks and leg rocks Which and gear rocks. Which estimated, just given the, the size of the, the torso rock, to be, you know, maybe 10, ten feet um, for the limbs and yes. 6 to 8 feet for the head. Yes. After picking the rocks, I mean, if we're going chronologically, yes. we, um, we moved them to Camp Elliott to this facility that belongs to UCSD, mm. a tract of land at uh, about uh, 10 miles from the campus, which was an ideal staging area. We needed to and isolate them and have a place to yes. scan them. Right. We set them down on, uh, on props, on railroad ties, and then, uh, and then got uh, someone who actually you've worked with before, Ron McPherson, mm-hmm. to come and scan them uh, with a special device, a laser scanning device. Uh, he scanned every stone. He, I, I guess he had to put up a tent around each stone. Yes, isolated. he had a lot of trouble uh, doing Just, it, but he did it. Uh-huh. And we ended up uh, there with uh, electronic files of every rock, basically a three-dimensional electronic uh, image of each rock, which was then given to uh, someone at the uh, Mike Bailey, who at the time was at the supercomputer facility and had a lab uh, that was uh, part of the visualization lab there that uh, had the ability with these machines of his, these LOM machines or prototyping machines, had the ability of taking these three-dimensional electronic files, electronic images, and printing them out mm-hmm. and turning them into objects so that, uh, so that uh, we ended up with, there are eight rocks in the bear, but we ended up with something like 16 
different uh, different Scale. model mm -hmm. rocks. Mm -hmm. One large one, which was at three quarters of an inch to a foot, about this big, and and uh, then all the others. Mm -hmm. And you got those in a package, right? And so you got to play with them uh, and put them together in your studio. So I um, I took the models of mm -hmm. the rocks and, and had about a day and a half to put them together. Very little time, <laughs> because we had an event that... Uh, and, uh, and we wanted to have this model yes. there. We had a, a celebration of the rocks. Was, it, was that good to have very little time? I think or it was... It um, yeah, I could have spent um, days and days kind of milling it over and trying different uh, combinations, but I well, think I kept going down, back to the... You came down with the, with the thing put together, and then you changed, actually changed it. Yeah, I did. I changed it. I think I was using a different rock for the head of it, for that event, and then I went back and... Is that what it's about? The way it's put together? Or is it, you know, how, how did that work for you? Because all of the work you've done, at least that I know of, has involved just a complete hands-on immersion in terms of your own making mm -hmm. of it. So what was this like for you? Dealing with these massive objects and dealing with this thing in a way that you you know you couldn't obviously manipulate any of these things yourself. Well, um, it it really wasn't that different. It was just uh, I had a, a much briefer kind of time to really participate in it. I mean, or abbreviate it, but it was. Um, I, I kind of had the same amount of control, really, in that I was using these found rocks. I didn't want to um, touch them at all. I didn't want to alter them, and um, so that was that meant hands off for anybody that came um, into in proximity with them. The um, rigging companies and drilling, and mm -hmm. it, so, so the. Uh, you and then all the uh, the technicians and people that were involved mm -hmm. in it were really kind of extensions of what what I wanted to do, and um, so it was really just an extended tool, mm -hmm. kind of. Um, and it didn't feel that novel. Uh, it didn't feel that different to you to be working that way as opposed was, to the yeah, way you were. Yeah, certainly more. Di uh, there was that the distance, um, but you kept me involved and um, up to speed on everything, so I, I felt like I was in um, total control of, of everything that I wanted to be in control, everything that mm -hmm. I thought was Through the important. use of this model, you obviously, I mean, it, you know, as far as the putting together and of then, it, it was put together exactly the way you wanted it to be put together, and it was, uh, you know, that was something you did have total control over. And then when we came to the point of actually putting the rocks together, I was there, well, I, I wasn't there for the, the legs. That those were put in position before, right? I mean, well, and there wasn't a whole lot of adjustment possible except for perhaps the angle of the head, and and actually the placement of the arms. There was adjustment possible yeah, there. Yeah, so I was there for that, and, yeah. and for the head, which was critical. Um, mm -hmm. And we we did end up changing the angle of the head a little bit yeah. to give it just a little more animation. Yeah, and uh, there's something else about it I think that's um, that's kind of key it, that even though the idea is very simple and the idea is something that you can almost sort of tell somebody about and and they can go ahead and do it um, they can't go ahead and do it 
because the rocks are so unique, mm -hmm. right? The rocks, and I think you said this at one point, uh, you, in looking for a rock to make a teddy bear, uh, are looking for a rock that is a certain kind of oval shape, and no rock is going to tend to be that perfect oval shape. And I think you said at one point, well, this probably what is going to make this interesting, what's going to make it good is the ways in which these rocks are sort of disobeying uh, this desire to be, you know, nice mm -hmm. ovals. Yeah, that's um, kind so of... So there's an arm that's too long and, and too square, and there's, you know, they're, they're all kind of wrong in some way, but that's what really gives it character. Right? Exactly. And that's what you're able to exploit when you're putting it together. So you could take this thing and put it together, um, you know, a dozen times. We hope you don't, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you could you could take this idea and do it a thousand times, and it would be each time it would be different mm -hmm. right? because of the nature of these rocks, because of the natural, because it's nature or chance or something like that. It's yeah, right? it's in the rocks. Mm -hmm. Actually, the hardest part was not so much the engineering, which is really fairly straightforward. It's just rocks and pins, and the pins have to be the right size, and the rocks have to be reinforced in in uh, in certain places. But uh, but the you know making it possible to actually erect this thing and put it together uh, was really key, and I think that's where the contractors were really important uh, and just incredibly important their willingness to 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 sort of work with this totally unique situation. So these guys from Pacific Southwest Structures and this guy in particular, Bob Conway, and, and uh, his boss, uh, John Shelby, their willingness to, to get into this and to, to deal with it and, uh, and their excitement about it. Well, it was, was such really an wonderful. unusual thing for them to be working on. Do you think yeah. that kind of went to their enthusiasm? I think so. I think so. It's not much. often that they yeah. you know, build a... Get to do something like bear. this, and I think they got a, a tremendous, especially Bob, who was really the hands-on uh, foreman for the thing, uh, got great satisfaction from it, mm -hmm. a great sense of pride out of doing it. And well, they were great to work with and um, yeah. really responsive to my suggestions. What we're going to do is we're going to set the rock up in place. We're going to um, set it with the come-alongs. We're going to turn it until you like it, ultimately like it. And we figured out a way for. Uh, this sort of big anchor plate and uh, way for, for that to, to sort of, so you could pick up this rock and basically put it in place and bolt it down and not uh, uh, worry about uh, huge cranes uh, mm -hmm. standing there and, and whether things were going to fit and there was some adjustment built into it. It so. really went together quite smoothly for yeah. the size and yeah. weight. And it was very exciting to see it go up because it was, you know, even though there was models and all this, you know, envisioning of it, um, seeing the thing was, I think, really exciting for everybody, seeing the big, well, this big thing be erected. And also, there was some excitement in moving the rocks. I remember hearing, um, well, moving the, the big torso boulder didn't yes. have to close roads down. And yes, and lots of police cars and, uh, and this vehicle with many, many wheels and, uh, and, uh, and lots of uh, 
lots of orchestration went into that. What was that like for you? Well, I Again, found out having, about it kind of after the fact. I, um, I remember you seemed a little shocked when, when the whole thing was happening. You were just kind of yeah, well, be like, my God, how did I get myself into this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, um, I, I just couldn't believe it was actually happening. I mean, after five years, it was um, really satisfying to see the, the rocks go up. And mm -hmm. um, I guess until um, we actually saw the, the torso rock up in the air, you know, we never really got a clear image of it from up above. And so, mm -hmm. uh, from up above, like in the buildings, right? Uh -huh. uh, well, no, from um, before we we photographed it and. I guess the, the scans helped us get an idea of what it would look like, but um, until it's actually gone vertical, you don't know. Yeah. There were well, angles that we hadn't been able to see before. Right. Well, and the scale of it, just the scale, you know, what it looks like when you're standing on the ground and mm. what it looks like in the context of the buildings. And, uh, and that's something you can't convey just no. through the idea. Right. And so when it was first set up, it was just in a kind of dirt area and since then and actually for the next few months the place is going to get lawns and it's gotten pathways and, and it's gotten all finished out and trees mm -hmm. and how was that evolution of it how do you see it now in a kind of finished space was that did that change it for you well I, I think um, the trees particularly changed it um, they have a strange effect on the, the reading of the scale because you, you generally know the size of these trees, and and then um, they have kind of a, a to me a surreal effect on on the scale of the bear. It's almost like you're looking at an HO train model set or something. Because the trees are miniaturized in the presence of the bear. Yeah, they seem to be. I guess. Uh huh. Um, I don't know if that if it had that effect on you when when the trees first. Yeah, I was. I found the trees a bit disconcerting at first, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. Uh, I I found that the whole, you know, finishing out of the space. I liked it a lot in the dirt, just mm -hmm. sitting there, uh, because it was so blunt and. Uh, and that's and, uh, how we were used to seeing these rocks yeah, in the dirt. Yeah. Um, and there's another thing. I guess I, you know, I don't want to over examine every aspect of it, but the, there were uh, pins sticking out. There were tons of pins that were embedded in this mm -hmm. in order to not just hold the thing together, but in order to pick it up and in order to uh, to uh, chain the uh, arms up and, and bracket and shore everything into place. And uh, the, these pins were left sort of sticking out and then they were cut off. And uh, and at one point, I think you wanted them you know, patched in a, well, a certain way. And I thought... Um I thought I wanted to just reveal like all, every step of the process because I do that in a lot of my work, just um, allowing the process to, to be very clear in these things that I make. And so I thought we would just go ahead and patch the pins with a kind of gray concrete patch or whatever. Um, it was kind of generic to to the media, the material, mm -hmm. and um, so that the patches would the be patches sort of honest visible patches, visible, and, and whatever marks we, we made, uh, spray painted onto the rocks, would be left. And then um, it, it became really kind of distracting. At one of the events that we had, um, when the the bear was still kind of spotted with these patches, people were asking, you know, what what are the yeah. spots? And, 
So it was clear that rather than revealing the process, they were kind of the stumbling block and yeah. something that. Uh, it looked that way to you as well as it something was confirmed by other people's questions mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it. So yeah, so we went back and and redid the patches to, to patch them and conceal and them. Conceal them pretty well. If you really look for them, you can find mm -hmm. them. And now you can still um, find the pins at, at certain angles, and I, I think that's uh, yeah. kind of reassuring to see these six-inch steel pins holding it all together, and yeah. it's not just. And balance. that's, a, I think, an important thing for people to to know that, mm -hmm. that you intended for these pins to be visible—the pins that are holding the arms to mm -hmm. the yeah, body. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that it's uh, it looks like a kind of straightforward engineering project, as opposed to something that's been completely uh, sort of made to look. You know where the pins are completely hidden and, and concealed. Right, we had the option of grinding stone down to get them to meet up, and we would be able to conceal the pins completely. But I didn't want to do that. Uh, I, I, didn't, I guess I thought it was important to just keep um, the stones as they were as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So, has this piece informed your work in some way? Informed what you're doing now? Or in the future, or in terms it, of doing things in the in in uh, outdoors or in public, is that uh, something you you feel you're going to do more of, or? Uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm sure it'll lead to other um, projects. It's whenever I'm involved in um, in something like this, I start reading. Well, now I'm seeing bears everywhere, you know, in, uh, in stacks of bags of flour, you know, whatever, I, uh, I'm, I guess I'm being drawn to these kind of primitive gatherings of clumpy shapes. And um, so I'm thinking about um, uh, yeah, other images that can be drawn out of. Where there would be an, an image that just like the bear as opposed to some kind of amorphous or organic or so. cell-like object that yeah, wouldn't for, be immediately for, recognizable. Um, for me, it's it, I'm more comfortable pinning it onto something rec that resonates uh, with something recognizable. Uh, I've been thinking about fertility goddesses and uh, like Venus of Villendorf. Kind of, yeah, and you can see how that form is sure. broken down into. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for talking to us. Well, thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thanks and for doing thanks this. Thanks to the Stewart Collection. And thanks for doing this piece. We got you at just the right moment. I think. <laughs>